1: Welcome into the RotoWire Sports Gambling Podcast, presented as always by BetMGM. If you're betting on the NFL at any point this weekend, whether it's on Sunday, whether it's on Monday, make sure you're doing so at betmgm.com. You can do it on the BetMGM app. You got to use our promo code, BETROTO. That's B E T R O T O. All one word, BETROTO. Nick Whalen here with John McKechnie. Yet again, we got a, a fun week for coming up john uh for for those of you who are watching along with us on youtube i see what, what's going on with the chain here
2: oh shoot i forgot to uh to put that away but you know what it's out the chain's <laughs> out um so it, yeah i became a, a chain guy sometime in august it was a, a wedding party gift a, a friend of mine be- bestowed onto the under the squad um you know re- real atlanta stuff huge braves fan so oh, yeah. like you know i Pretty much the entire roster, other than like Matt Olson, uh, is a cool guy that that wears a chain. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that he was trying to reflect that energy. So therefore, uh, yeah, I've been a chain guy for a little bit. Um, you know, kind of, it's kind of a, a taking a walk on the wild side for me. I'm, I'm usually a pretty vanilla individual, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the classic sense and also just my paleness. You know, it just it adds up. But uh, I feel like the chain gives me a little, little bit of swagger to me.
1: It absolutely does, and yeah, right. I feel bad for I feel bad for our audio only listeners who aren't able to get an image of this. Maybe we'll have to well, take now a shot Yeah, I mean, we'll try to try to give like the most vivid description possible. But that thing, that's a heck of a chain, Jonathan. And hopefully, it brings you some luck here uh, in Week Four. But first, as always, we got to take a look back at Week Three. Uh, I, I went eight seven and one ATS. It felt a lot worse. I'll tell you that. I, it was one of those weeks where, you know, I. I almost didn't want to go back and, and look at my picks and I, I came out feeling all right. My, my head's held a little bit higher than I expected it to be uh, after another really, really difficult week uh, in the NFL. And you know, I was talking to our, our, our former colleague, Chris Liss on the XM show last night. And you know, I kind of asked him like, is this the hardest it's ever been to handicap games? And his his case was, well, it's never really hard. You know, every year, every game should be about the same every week. You know, it's always 50, 50 based on the spread. And he's totally right about that. But what I was getting at more is the amount of parity that we have in the league right now is it's not unprecedented, but it, it feels unprecedented, especially compared to recent years where we've had so many great quarterbacks kind of lead these juggernaut teams, but I mean, we have two undefeated teams right now through three weeks. Uh, typically I, I went back and look, typically there's like five to seven undefeateds in most years, two undefeated teams. And it, it feels like through these first couple of weeks, we have a lot of good team versus good team and bad team versus bad team matchups. Like I, you know, whether you're talking handicapping or just straight-up picks, not even factoring in the spread, I feel like we have more 50-50 games than ever.
2: Yeah, it's been, it's been really tough. Uh, we, we actually uh, ended up with the same uh, record against the spread uh, then, and I was I was feeling really good um, about San Francisco, despite how gross that game was, um, but they weren't pulling away by, by far enough, and you know what? Uh, it caught up to them in the end, and they ended up uh, uh, you know squandering that one, Sunday night in Denver Uh, my read on totals thus far has been way off Uh, it's not been good Uh, I think I got four totals correct uh, from from my picks column a week ago so get back in the lab trying to figure that out I know that um, just generally I think unders have been hitting at around 63 percent so that makes me wonder for, for this week and beyond you know if if the the secret is essentially out that you know, unders have been the way to go that, you know, the these totals and we, we see it reflected in the totals this week. There's a lot of pretty uh, low ones overall. So I wonder if we see, you know, kind of a, a market correction where actually going over this week is kind of the, the way to go. But, you know, is that chasing? Is it is the offense going to remain stagnant across the league? Uh, we'll have to see. But I, that's definitely something that I'm, I'm really trying to keep an eye on for this week.
1: Yeah, I actually had a good note on that from, I think it was Mark Sessler on the Around the NFL pod mentioned that 23 games through three weeks have gone under 40 total combined points. That's the most in like two decades. I mean, that's, I mean, what are we talking, like seven to eight games per week going under 40 points total? I mean, that is, that's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, that's usually the lowest totals on the board. You know, you'll you'll see like, for example, we have Bears Giants this week is at 39 and a half. So unders have been hitting like crazy and you know, we we did we touched on this a little bit last week, but if you just look at the basics, you know, most points scored through the first three weeks, these are among the bottom ten scoring teams in the league: Indianapolis, Denver, Dallas, San Francisco, Green Bay, New Orleans, Tampa Bay. I mean, these are teams that are typically you know at middle to upper uh, when it comes to total points in the league. I mean, Tampa Bay has like three touchdowns through three weeks. Denver has three touchdowns through three weeks, Green Bay is is winning ugly, kind of as we expected. But, um, you know, it's not like it's the Jets and the Bears and the Giants weighing everything down. It's a lot of these really good quarterbacks and and quote unquote, really good offenses that just haven't met expectations yet.
2: Yeah. So that that does make me wonder what, you know, with the list that you provided there, you know, I I think that, uh, things are going to get back to normal sooner rather than than later. Maybe not to the extent that, uh, you know, we, we expect the Bucks to be hanging 40 on everyone every single week. But, you know, they, they have had to grind things out these last couple of weeks with, with all the injuries, the Mike Evans suspension, you know, all that. If they, they're getting some guys back this week, I think that'll be a good litmus test them going up against the Chiefs that's a a really fun Sunday night matchup at least on paper it feels like this week we got the national TV games um, a little bit better than uh, the shape that we were in for those standalones a week ago so looking forward to that but but yeah I think that you know with all of that being considered we're going to start to see these offenses uh, wake up here pretty soon
1: yeah I'm looking forward to talking Buccaneers Chiefs a little bit later we now know that game will be played in Tampa which it kind of changes my tune, I think, as far as how I, I think that game might play out. But uh, again, we'll, we'll address that later. Give me your best and worst calls from week three.
2: Uh, so let's see. My, my best call, um, I thought, was being in on Miami. I, I was pretty unflinching on that from the time that, that the line dropped or, or came out. And th- you know throughout the week, anywhere between five, five and a half points Miami was getting I just felt like Miami was going to be able to, to go in there toe to toe. It, it, the game unfolded in a, in a different way than, than I expected. I thought it'd be much higher scoring. Uh, these teams just couldn't really get out of their way on offense, but you know, point, point stands, you know, like Miami was still able to, to get it done there. And then the Rams, uh, they, they made it a little bit more interesting than I would have cared for them to, uh, with, uh, the Cardinals kind of hanging around by one score late in that game, but you know Cliff kick, kicks that field goal uh, to kind of prolong the the their slow march to to a loss there for the Cardinals. But uh, you know the Rams were able to uh, hang on. My worst, obviously, uh, going with with uh, the San Francisco 49ers a, as my best bet. Um, you know, especially uh, I listened back to to the pod and I mentioned the the, the Panthers being my uh, the doorknob lock and then the the Niners being the deadbolt and uh as far as locks of the week and uh I should have reversed that order I should have just stuck to my guns there and and stuck with the Panthers so oof and then like I mentioned my read on totals uh not so great and then uh the Raiders uh that's that's one where from like the first like kind of check-in I knew that I was in trouble for for that one them going uh against Tennessee that you know my thinking on on Tennessee was you know, Vrabel's a good coach. These teams aren't really like demonstrably better or worse than the others. So the coaching edge is obviously uh, with Tennessee and they're the home team. I should have, you know, stuck uh, with that, but I, I trusted the Raiders to wake up. It uh, did not happen. Big whiff.
1: <sighs> the Raiders, man, they're 0 3. I think only one 0 3 team in the last like 15 or 20 years, uh, the Texans a few years ago, have made the playoffs. So we'll we'll get into the Raiders a little bit later, but things are looking pretty dire. They get the Denver Broncos at home this week. I feel like now the Raiders are in the position that the Titans were last week, where everything is telling me to jump off the Raiders. They're not a good team. Derek Carr is not good. They can't convert in the red zone. They're just sloppy. They, you know, the defense is allowing these long drives every single game, but I'm terrified that the week that I jump off the Raiders is the week that they're finally going to come through. So Mm -hmm. I hate to say it, but I think I'm leaning the Raiders. I think they're minus two and a half right now. At MGM, I that's the way I'm looking uh, as of right now. We'll see what happens, you know, with Hunter Renfro and his status. I think that was actually a bigger loss uh, than a lot of people realized. My best call last week had to be Carolina over New Orleans. Um, I, I didn't feel great about it, but you know, it was a bet that I ended up making, and it wasn't because Carolina played well. Uh, you know, other than that long LaVisca Chenault touchdown, this was a really really ugly game. I continue to be completely unconvinced that Baker Mayfield is really any better than what Sam Darnold was giving Carolina for most of last season. I think that experiment has been uh, pretty ugly thus far. And, you know, we'll find out. I mean, Arizona Carolina in the late window this week is that's a rough one um, that, that, that to me, might be the most difficult game uh, to handicap all week, but we'll, we'll talk about that one later as well. My worst call outside of the Raiders completely dismissing the Jaguars for the second week oh, in a row. Yeah. I, you know, I couldn't get that, that commander's loss in week one out of my head. I, you know, in my picks column for the site, I I wrote up two separate, um, picks, you know, if Justin Herbert plays, if he doesn't play and with Herbert playing, I had the Jags losing, I think by like 13 or 13 points, that was never close. I mean, the Jags owned the chargers from start to finish in that game. And yeah, I know maybe Herbert wasn't hundred percent and you don't have Keenan Allen and Rashawn Slater goes out, Bosa goes out. I get all that, but. The Jags won that game by four touchdowns, man. And they, for I was just completely ready to pick against the Jags every single week and, you know, pocket my usual winnings off of that, as I've been doing for the last, you know, for 14 to the last 15 years. <laughs> and it's just breaking my brain. Like, I don't – I was not prepared to have to consider the possibility that the Jaguars might be a good football team.
2: No, I wasn't – it wasn't going to be this year. Like, I, I figured that maybe there would be some – some like signs later in the year that, you know, that, that this is coming together, you know, all the right. talent that they've kind of stockpiled getting some experience, you know, Hey, may, maybe, you know, they become a trendy team going into next season, but Oh man, no, it looks like your, your Jags are for real. And and like you said, it's going to break your brain all season. Like how, how much do you trust it versus, you know, your, your years and years and years of evidence to the contrary, when it comes yeah. to, to the Jaguars being a good team. So uh, we'll we'll see here, but I just think that you know when you have a guy like Trevor Lawrence who who is going to continue to improve and and prove himself to be the real deal, when you have quarterback figured out, it it takes care of a lot of your other problems, and I think that Jacksonville's close to having that you know pretty uh, sewn up.
1: Yeah, I mean top five at DVOA right now. I was not prepared for this. I really wasn't. It's it's completely taken me by storm, and and we'll see what happens you know, against Philly this week. I think that'll go a long way toward either, I mean, if they, if they win that game on the road, uh, we might not have a show next week. I, I, might just be fo- I might just be following the Jaguars around for the rest of the season. Um So like I mentioned, scoring's way down. It's kind of throwing everybody off. It doesn't feel like we have a lot of teams that you could depend on week to week, whether you're talking spreads or, or even straight up picks. Um, And, you know, we, we have a ton of two and one and one and two teams, like almost the entire league, essentially, other than we have what one, Oh, and three team. We got one, 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 and one team, I believe, in the Mm -hmm. Colts. uh, The Texans are what? One, one, and one, or oh, two, and one? Oh, two, and one? Yeah, Yeah. I just, too much to calculate. Too many numbers, way too many. The point is, the vast majority of the league is either two, and one, or one, and two. And, you know, you asked me earlier this week, let's rank the two, and one teams, because there are so many of them, and, and somewhere on one end of the spectrum, somewhere on the other. Give me your top five teams right now that are two, and one, and I'll list them off quickly to give some context Buffalo, Baltimore, Cleveland. Jacksonville, Denver, Kansas City, Dallas, the Giants, Green Bay, Minnesota, Chicago, Tampa Bay, and the LA Rams.
2: So it's funny that there are like tiers within the, this group of two and ones. I think Buffalo kind of stands alone at the top. Um, and then Kansas City, I think it is, is yep. in a tier of its own as well. And then uh, you move it, I, I could really go either way when it comes to Green Bay, Baltimore, and Tampa Bay. That that's how I have them ranked. But like it, I think that you know by virtue of Green Bay beating Tampa Bay, you got to have Green Bay ahead of Tampa. Um, Baltimore, you know, I I'm always kind of a, a tricky source on that because I, I've been pessimistic about them. Uh, I was pessimistic about them on the show uh, last week, and you know that, that I just am starting to kind of have to come to grips with the idea that you know at least. At the very least, Lamar Jackson could be playing at, at close to the level that we saw back in 2019. But I think unlike the 2019 team, uh, there's a lot of flaws elsewhere on this team. So he, he kind of has to go Superman to, to figure the rest of it out. Tampa Bay, it's an older collection. It's an older bunch. And I've been kind of turned off by, by the way their offenses look to start the year. But, you know, as I alluded to, as they get these guys back, as they get healthier, you know, they, they're going to start to, to click. Um, but, you know, Jacksonville is really interesting at, at this point. If Dallas can continue to weather the storm without Dak Prescott, I think that if anything, these last couple of weeks have shown the amount of talent on this team outside of quarterback, especially in the front seven. So Dallas is one that I'd keep an eye on. Minnesota, like where have they gone? They were they were kind of like everyone was like, whoa, look out, you know, after after week one and then just a couple of, you know, they, they get beat badly by by Philly. That That happens, of course, and then just kind of have to, pull one out against detroit this past week so I, I i don't know who the vikings are they don't know who they are and you know that's going to be a weird weird little game there sunday morning against uh against the or i'm sorry against the saints out in london
1: yes I, i'm still in on minnesota and at least for this week i i don't think new orleans uh is the side in that one to give you a preview of what might very well be my best bet later in the pod. I mean, Jameis didn't practice uh, again on Thursday. I, I think there's a, a reasonable chance that we end up seeing some Andy Dalton in this game, whether he starts it or comes on in relief. I mean, pretty much every receiver not named Chris Olave is banged up for the Saints. Kamara's banged up. Uh, I don't trust their coaching staff anymore. I mean, they've looked like one of the five worst offenses in the league so far. It doesn't really look anything like the Saints offenses that we remember from years past, despite having a pretty nice collection of skill player talent. So I'm I'm pretty down on the Saints and I think Minnesota you know can, can help itself out a decent amount by winning that game handily on what's well, essentially you know I shouldn't even say essentially definitely is a neutral field literally the most neutral field possible uh you know that that line I think doesn't quite reflect that uh based on how bad New Orleans has looked lately and you know a lot of that you give credit to Jameis for playing through the injury it hasn't been pretty man it, it, it he's kind of back to pre-lasic Jameis these last couple weeks yeah
2: he he's been rough you know that that kind of steered me in the direction of carolina last week and and yeah like that like you said like i could have believed minnesota as slight favorites if this was on the road but yeah this is a neutral site game i think that you know that this one uh should be closer to like three and a yeah. half or, or, or four so um yeah i do do like this as a i wouldn't call it a get right spot necessarily for minnesota but you know the game that they definitely should and need to win
1: so my top five, and one team, similar to yours, I got Buffalo, KC, Baltimore, Green Bay, Tampa Bay. Um, you know, you, you, We have the same five teams, just in slightly different order, so not much to discuss there. I Trust me, I wanted to find a way to put Jacksonville in there. Can't quite do it. I, I think Tampa Bay's defense has been the best unit in the league. I, I don't mm-hmm. really know if it's all that close so far. And, I mean, that alone has been enough to kind of upset what's been a, a pretty brutal start for that offense. But I, I trust that over the course of the year, uh, that's going to come around once they get receivers back. And the other thing is, I mean, I'm really down on New Orleans. Atlanta's Atlanta. Carolina looks like one of the three worst teams in the league. Like Tampa Bay could go 10 and seven and maybe still win that division. You know, I, I don't think they're going to be under a ton of pressure in the NFC South uh, unless something dramatically changes with the Saints. But I mean, Dallas is really interesting. Um, you know, they have, I think, a really good chance to end up going 3-0 and without Dak Prescott. I think they were fortunate to run into the Bengals who, you know, still are figuring things out on offense. And, and then of course, you know, you get a bad giants team and, and what we think is a pretty bad commanders team this weekend. Um, the two cross-offs for me that were not considered at all are two teams that play each other. And yes, it's heaven forbid, one of these teams <laughs> is going to be three and one. It, it, maybe, maybe we should get a tie this week. Like it just, it, I, I said last week that these are the two worst, like two and one teams ever. One of these is going to be by far the worst three in one team that I can remember. And that's the giants and the bears. Both of these teams are very, very bad. Very bad.
2: Yes. Like I, I don't think I, I really understood just how bad the Giants were because like I, I basically my exposure to the Giants before Monday night's debacle, for the most part, what was uh, you know, their thrilling comeback against Tennessee. Didn't really catch much, if if any, of their game against the Panthers. And, you know, I, I think week three was it was a more clear depiction of, of who the Giants really are. Uh, you lose Sterling Shepherd it, during the course of that game. So, you know, that that's going to make things worse for for an already struggling passing game. So uh, Mario Puig said it best on, on the uh, RotoWire wire NFL pod on on Thursday, where it's just like as far as the Giants offense goes, like it's it's really just a question of did Saquon have a good game or not, because everything else just kind of feels like it. uh it would be a surprise if it was anything better than mediocre.
1: I think it says a lot that losing Sterling Shepard feels like to them, mm-hmm. losing Jamar Chase, you know, <laughs> I mean, it, that was like, oh my gosh, we've lost our fourth receiver. And, you know, I mean, the, the depth chart is now Richie James and David Sills because Wandale Robinson, Kadarius Tony, they might just be perpetually questionable forever at this point. And as far you know, as Kenny we Galladay, know, Kenny Galladay is the most hated man in New York. I mean, that was embarrassing for him to to say what he said and then come out and have that drop in that spot. I mean, I don't, I don't know if he really ever makes an impact for the giants again. Um, but yeah, man, bears giants is going to be, I, it's, it's going to be a bloodbath for the eyes. That's for sure. There's a reason that's the lowest total of the week. Um, yes.
2: Right. Rightfully so. What, one more thing uh, when it comes to Richie James, middle Tennessee state having a bit of a moment right now, you got Richie James st- star receiver for the New York football giants and middle Tennessee state whomping. University of Miami this past week so, so the Blue Raiders how about them
1: that was a certified WAP job no question about that <laughs> um, let's look ahead to week four now and as we do every week we'll, we'll do a little game of too high and a little game of too low give me some lines or some totals to you that are looking a little too high right now
2: um so th- this one obviously it's the highest one on the board and and with good reason once once uh, New England lost Mac Jones for this game the line jumped pretty uh, considerably. Uh, we're, we're sitting at nine and a half right now. I'm, I'm looking to see if this will, will end up getting to 10. If enough money comes in on the Packers, if it's 10, then I'm really interested in the Patriots somehow, because I, I feel like that's the perfect situation uh, where Bill Belichick comes up with the, with the right game plan to just ugly this one up and keep it close with, with Brian Hoyer or, you know, hopefully uh, Bailey Zapp the zapper, but I I don't think that's going to, going to happen. Not this week, but uh, once Brian Hoyer fails, maybe it will, but regardless, uh, I just, I don't think that the Packers are built to blow teams out. I don't think that the Patriots are going to score more than, you know, 13 points in this game, but I think the defense might just gunk things up for the Packers just enough to where that they stay within this. If, if we're talking about 10, nine and a half, you know, that then it's hard to bet um, on the, on the, uh, Patriots, but magic number being 10 there. Um, I'm keeping an eye on that. And then, uh, Indianapolis, uh, you know, the three and a half point favorites at home. Yeah, that's, that's pretty boilerplate. That's pretty standard, but I just think that Indianapolis is a bad team. Um, I do think that Tennessee does have, have a coaching advantage against them. So yeah, they're, they're both teams riding high after wins this past weekend, but I wouldn't trust Indianapolis with more than a field goal right now.
1: Yeah, that game is really difficult. That one feels like a, you know, just a classic. We got to give a little bit of a nudge to the home team, but yeah, three and a half might be a little high. I think that could easily be two, two and a half. If there was ever a spot though for Jonathan Taylor to get going, it would be against this Titans rush defense, allowing almost six yards per carry on the week. So I, I think there is an advantage there for Indianapolis. I mean, the question is, do you even trust them at this point? I mean, Matt Ryan has been pretty much a disaster. I think relative to expectations, he's got seven fumbles somehow hasn't lost all seven, but just fumbling the ball seven times in three weeks is preposterous. Um he looks lost. That offense just looks like it just doesn't have an extra gear. And I mean they are very, very lucky uh to not have picked up another loss and be sitting at 0-2 and 1. Uh, because the Chiefs did everything in their power to hand that game to the Colts.
2: Oh yeah, but once the Sky uh muffed that punt, I was like, oh no, um, here we go. Yeah. Like that this the and uh, y- you uh myself and Chris and uh rotowire soccer guy chris Owen, you know we we chat about football a good bit and you know we're we're going over survivor strategy and it's like oh the chiefs are are a good idea last week and it's like but what if you know what if indianapolis just because the nfl is weird what if they not just cover but win and yeah lo and behold it makes no sense but it makes all the sense in the world
1: it that one hit like every possible hallmark every checklist that you could have or a weird game where the clearly better team is, is going to lose. And like you said, it starts with a muff, muffed uh, punt right inside the five yard line on the first possession of the game. You're like, okay, check Uh quarterback arguing with offensive coordinator at the end of the first half check, mm-hmm. uh, you know, passing up on field goals to go for these bizarre fourth downs, fake field goals. Um, I mean, a, a, it, of course to top it all off too, you get the bizarre uh, like technical foul, basically on Chris Jones late in the game for right. saying an un, unknown word uh, to Matt Ryan. I mean, you almost never see that in the NFL. It's actually amazing the amount of leeway that players typically get. Uh, you have to really try to get an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty in the NFL. So, I mean, it just had it had all the elements uh, of a game like that. And, of course, you know, also adding in that the Colts were winless and, and essentially needed that game to get back on track. But to me, it was such an obvious spot. It's like, if you're the Chiefs, how do you let that happen? Like, if, we, if we're talking about it being an obvious letdown spot, the team has to be talking about it. I just I just don't understand how you as the clearly better team with so many opportunities to win that game. It's, it's just, it's amazing that it continues to happen every single year.
2: Right. It, it, it does, you know, and the, the chiefs, they are, they are one of the best teams in football, but like they, they can, they are certainly one of those teams that that can play down to, to its competition and lay lay a stinker. So I wish I had, I had the, not the, not the foresight because I could kind of see it coming, but, but uh, you know, the, the guts to actually, you know, put down on on Indianapolis last week and it cost me dearly. So
1: I, I I'm with you on Green Bay. I think this is a ten point game. I you know like you said, it's sitting at where where are we at right now? Nine and a half. It was up as right. far as ten and a half. I saw it at eleven at some other unnamed books because we always use BetMGM. I wouldn't, I wouldn't right. dare placing a bet at a non-BetMGM book. But I, I know it was up there and it's it's moving down. Uh, I, I think most people are kind of on the same train of thought as you where. Yeah, New England's probably not going to be able to do much offensively, but it's also not a game where you're expecting Green Bay to go and throw up 38 points. I mean, I I think this ends up looking a lot like Green Bay-Chicago in Mm -hmm. Week 2. And, you know, Chicago came out, scored, I think, on the first or second drive. You know, it never got out of hand. Definitely could have been a little bit closer, uh, but Green Bay ends up winning that comfortably. I mean, I I think this is a, you know, 27-17, maybe 23-14 to type of game. Uh, So I'm with you. If that gets to double digits, I, I, I think I would reverse course i uh, take the new England side lines for me that are a little too high. I think Eagles minus six and a half. Uh, I mean, all the Jags hype going on right now. Do you really want to give that team six and a half points? Not uh, really. I, I, re- I respect the Eagles. I, I think the Jaguars do lose this game outright, but I also think, I mean, this is a Doug Peterson revenge game in a lot of ways it's against the team that essentially chose Carson Wentz over him. Mm. And I think we are going to see an ultra prepared, ultra aggressive offensive game from the Jaguars. Now, is that going to work? Could it backfire? It sure could, but I think we're going to see, you know, going forward on fourth downs, you know, trick plays, whatever, whatever the Jags need to do to come out and make a statement and compete in this game. I think they're going to do, and I, I don't know that they win it. If I had to pick straight up, I would pick the Eagles, but I think the Jags cover the six and a half.
2: I, I can certainly see it. They're they're playing really well. I mean, again, the the Eagles probably the best team in the NFC at least through the first uh, three weeks of the season. But yeah, this is a this is a cagey bunch uh, for the Jags. Uh, one kind of you know game within the game matchup uh, that I'm interested in is uh, Darius Slay potentially against against Christian Kirk. You know because Kirk has been just phenomenal to to start this season, and and if he gets slowed down, can some of these like kind of secondary um, options in the, in the uh, Jaguars' offense step up and kind of mitigate the the loss if you know Christian Kirk is kind of not getting what what we've grown accustomed to him getting through the first. Uh, three weeks of the season so that that's a big one for me but um, yeah no I think it definitely makes sense to be a little leery of uh, just giving six and a half points to the to the to this Jacksonville Jaguars team especially with a Doug yeah. Peterson with revenge on his gigantic uh, brain
1: yes is now kind of salt and peppery almost white haired uh, brain with of course the visor I'm sure will be out in Philly uh, I, I think the Jags can run on the Eagles that's and that to me is the key because for as great as Trevor Lawrence is I feel like he's getting all the attention I mean the Jags are pounding teams on the ground you know it, it's been essentially just James Robinson ETN you know will make his appearances here and there I, I think he's looked good but uh, I mean Robinson himself has already ripped off two long touchdowns he had the fourth down 50 yarder uh, against the Chargers last week I mean that's that's really been the key for them is, is being multidimensional. dimensional uh, two totals real quickly that I think are a little bit high Chargers Texans to me i mean that one's sitting at 44 on bet mgm and you know it's not that high but you know the chargers could not move the ball whatsoever on the jags last week they are by far the worst rushing team in the league they have not been able to get austin eckler going whatsoever now if there's ever a spot to do that you would think it would be this week against the texans uh but you know keenan allen i i know i saw a note that he left practice on thursday you know walking oh, with a trainer i don't i don't know if he's gonna end up playing uh, we know about the other injuries for the Chargers. And we've already seen the Texans find a way to hang around with basically every team that they've played so far. And, you know, one of those teams was the Colts, who might not be good. One of those teams was the Bears last week, who is definitely not good. And the other one is the Broncos team that scored three touchdowns all year. So there is some context here. But I also think, you know, it's early on. I don't know that the Chargers offense is what we thought it would be coming into the year. We might have to kind of erase that. So I I don't really know. I don't think the Chargers get to 30 points here. I mean, obviously this could be... Yeah, I mean, is is it a 25-20 type of game that goes over? I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't think the Chargers score a lot of points here. I also don't think the Texans score a lot of points. I, I like the under on forty four.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would be pretty surprised even with the Bosa injury if if the Texans' offense finds a way to to score north of, of twenty points. Um, and yeah, the this this Chargers' offense, like, I'm I'm not convinced until we see otherwise that Justin Herbert is is totally a hundred percent. And then it, you you take keenan allen out of the equation that that's you know someone who when he's healthy is you can account 12 14 targets to without without really batting a lash and mike williams doesn't see like i like mike williams as a talent but he doesn't seem like he's built for that for like the number one role like and, and keenan allen gets hurt so much that you know you'd kind of think that williams would, would kind of be a little bit more prepared to to take on a bigger you know share of the workload bit you know kind of bigger spotlight and he just hasn't really uh, done that yet so so, and you know their receiver depth beyond them is terrible like Josh Palmer is not that good uh first of all and then you know the way they used Austin Eckler thus far I I assume that this has to be a spot where he gets going but yeah there's a lot of problems with the Chargers right now and uh this week if they continue against the Texans then I think you have to start having like those long-term concerns for them
1: The other total for me that's a little high, Raiders-Broncos sitting at 45 and a half. The Raiders have looked fine offensively, good, not great. I mean, they've had so many drives that they should have finished off. I mean, Carr has, you know, picks in the end zone and fumbles. You know, it's just they could have scored a lot more than they have. But the Broncos are the second lowest scoring team in the league right now, man. 43 points through three games. And I don't know if there was anything we saw last week against San Francisco that leads me to believe that anything's going to change there anytime soon. I mean, they, they got Jerry Judy back. I, I don't really know what else you're looking for. They still haven't really decided on, on the split between Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. Um, so I, I we know the Raiders could score, but I, the Broncos have had a fantastic defense so far. So I don't know that that's going to be the case. I, I think this is a, you know, 20 to 17 type of game. Could even be a 17 to 14 type of game. Like, unless you think the Broncos have a, a breakout of our shell game offensively, I'm not really sure I see this one getting into the high 40s.
2: No, I, I like that call a lot. That yeah, the defense on on both sides, like the pass rush is going to be super lively, um, and and yeah, I mean the, this Broncos offense, until we see otherwise, like we have to just kind of uh, view them, approach them as as one of the worst uh, in the league right now. And I don't know if it's the play calling, it doesn't feel like it's a talent problem. So I I don't know what else it could be right now. But either way, uh, yeah, they're they're you know that they're not lighting up the scoreboard.
1: All right, hit me with a couple lines or a couple totals that are a little too low for you this week.
2: So I, I know I was just speaking on, on the Chargers uh, being, uh, you know, it, it, having all these problems, but if the, if the Chargers do show up here, that, then they will cover five easily, in my opinion. And then uh, another one that I think is too low, this one's kind of gross. This is the Cleveland Browns, only minus one. Uh, on the road against the Atlanta Falcons, the Falcons uh, coming back from their West coast swing. I think the Browns are the exact team that will beat every team that that's worse than them. They're not going to beat teams that, that are a weight class weight class or two higher than them, at least not with Jacoby Brissett, but the rest of the rest of the team is just, they're solid. Uh, I liked their game plan against Pittsburgh for the most part. I think that they are able to kind of take care of business in sort of boring Brownsie, fashion so you know not totally well the their game against the Panthers was actually kind of exciting uh, I think this one will be more boring and more kind of just decided that that the Browns um, are the victors here so I I think that they should be favored by closer to two two and a half
1: well they they were a few days ago that's what's kind of right. scaring me is this line was it was at three and then it was at two and a half and then one and a half and then one then back up to one and a half and now like you said it's sitting at Browns minus one uh at that MGM and Yeah, I mean, I came away pretty convinced, pretty impressed with the Browns overall in that game against the Steelers. And that's the other thing. They last played on Thursday. You know, they're getting three extra prep days here to prepare for Atlanta. And I I just, yeah, to me, I I think this should be probably closer to two, two and a half. Uh, It it scares me that it's not. You know, it's a kind of what am I missing type of situation. Mm -hmm. I do think the Browns take care of business here. Uh, But I mean, the Falcons are one of those teams, like just by virtue of having a mobile quarterback, I, it just it adds this element of unpredictability uh, that that I think is is tough to prepare for. Uh, but you know, I think we're we're in agreement that Seattle is not a great team, right? And you know, it, it took pretty much everything Atlanta had to take care of Seattle. I, I think Cleveland more well rounded. The only thing for me is we'll see about Miles Garrett and we'll see about and Clowney. If, if those guys don't play, you know, maybe that changes things.
2: Sure, no, that that would be huge, you know, because the the rest of that. Brown's defense, like it needs the front seven and needs the pass rush to be working for, for it all to, to kind of come together. So that that is definitely important. But I think that there, there could be if if those injuries are the things that are uh, fueling the line movement, then I think it's a, a slight bit um, of yeah. an overreaction.
1: OK, fair enough. Um, I have the Vikings minus two and a half. I think that's too small. I I, I think, you know, again, this this feels like that's what the line would be if it was in New Orleans. And, and obviously, if it was not New Orleans, it would probably be tilted even more in favor of the Saints. But I think the Vikings are, are the better team. Um, you know, it, in some ways, it was kind of this ugly win over Detroit where you, you come out almost feeling worse about Minnesota despite them winning the game. Uh, and they, they have not shown nearly that gear offensively uh, since week one. Against the Packers, you know, where we thought, you know, is Justin Jefferson gonna, you know, go for 1,900 yards and 20 touchdowns this year? Triple crown. Yeah, right. In the last two weeks, it's it's kind of come back down to earth. But I I think the the Vikings at this point are the better coach team. I think they have the more reliable quarterback by default because Jameis has just been so erratic the last couple of weeks. It sounds like Dalvin Cook is going to play on Sunday morning. I think that's huge. We still don't know about a, a bunch of the key Saints players, and it's just weird vibes, man, with the Saints. They they've they've had some. Some games that they, you know, it should probably should not have come to uh what it did, you know, in week one. Um, you know, week two, pretty ugly loss against Tampa Bay, can't really move the ball at all, had some ugly turnovers there. Um, and then I I mean I am very down on the Panthers. I do not think the Panthers are a good team. They put up almost no fight down in Carolina in week three. And now it's a lot to ask to fly all the way to London. You got a bunch of guys banged up and have to play a pretty good Vikings team. So I, I think that line could easily be Vikings three, Vikings three and a half, maybe all the way up to four. Um, yeah, I, I like the Vikings quite a bit straight up.
2: Yeah, Aaron Brooks isn't walking through that door for the Saints.
1: Absolutely not. Neither is Joe Horn. Neither is Dante Stallworth. I'll tell you that. Where are um, they? I, I have one that I want to ask you about. I don't know if it's too low. I, I just want to get get put some feelers out. And part of this is just how bad one team has looked. It's not like I feel great about the other. But should the Cowboys be favored by more than three at home against the Commanders?
2: Honestly, yeah. Um, I, I think that that Carson Wentz, uh, that you know what we saw from him through the first game, and then parts of the second game uh, in Detroit, it's like okay, well, you know maybe this offense, the talent around him, is is going to be enough to drag Carson Wentz up to competency. I don't think that's going to be the case this week. I think that that Dallas pass rush is like the best in the league. I think they have like thirteen sacks or something so they have 24
1: far. Four pressures on Monday night.
2: Crazy. I mean that. Like that. That's reminiscent of the AFC Championship game with the with like the Peyton Manning Broncos against uh, the Patriots, where Brady got hit like eighteen times in that game. That's crazy. You, you don't see that too often. And I think that you also have the fact that Washington, I think, turns the ball over a good bit. So you know, I think a, a case could definitely be made, even with the backup quarterback for Dallas being in there, that that the Cowboys are still that much better than the Commanders right now.
1: So. I hate to say this, John, you lost your best bet last week. As you outlined at the top of the show, you had 49ers uh, to win and cover one and a half. That did not happen. I did win mine. I took the Bengals minus six. They took care of business against the Jets, which means for the first time this year, John, you got to read the read.
2: I got to read the read, folks. Um, I I just grabbed a sip of water. So we're doing good. Doing some vocal exercises. Me, 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 me. All right, here we go. Kick off the new pro football season with the king of sportsbooks. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code BETROTO, that's B-E-T-R-O-T-O, and your first wager is risk-free, up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions.
1: All right, good start. That's a hot start. All
2: right. All right, Here we here we go. All right, we're naming states here. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada... New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 years or older to wager 19 or older in Ontario. Sorry about pronouncing Ontario, Ontario, thinking about Ontario Smith. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Call or text the Tennessee red line at 800-889-9789 in Tennessee or call 1-888-777-9696 in mississippi in ontario if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you please contact connects ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge sports betting is void in georgia hawaii ohio and utah and other states where prohibited promotional offers not available in nevada or new york well
1: done that was an absolute <laughs> clinic.
2: <laughs> felt good, oddly enough. You know, ad copy. Uh, I guess been, we be, we both been in the game long enough. We both oh, been yeah. doing pods. I used to be on the XM show. I, I know all about these ad reads. So uh, you know, oh. it felt good. Felt good off the club there. Um, it was it was okay to to be able to to take that off your plate this week. And and again, uh, it's it's the carrot and the stick for uh, trying to get my best bet right for this week. So I I don't have to do it every single week, despite uh, the fact that it's beautiful, beautiful ad pros.
1: Yeah. I love that. Uh, I used to be on the XM show, just very, uh, very vague, uh, you know, after the incident,
2: (laughs) I I don't (laughs) think they kicked me off, but it was a, it was a soft let go. It's like, I'm moving to Atlanta and they're like, you know what? We're not sending radio equipment with you. And I'm like, sounds good.
1: Shipping costs are out of control these days.
2: Oh, back the summer of 21. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I, I love, so like midway through the read, you, you, you hit that excludes Michigan disassociated persons, please gamble responsibly. You would think it's over at that point, right? Psych. No, you're only like 60% of the way through.
2: And and you got hundreds of more numbers to read.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I did, I need more information. Like the, the 1-800 bets off, the 1-800 gambler, like, yeah, that all makes sense. Like one 800 Like, was that, was that the catchiest number available?
2: I, yeah, that, that, I, that, I don't know what uh, the, the, you know, what the, what the creative room was coming up with, with their, uh, with yeah. their phone number for, for said hotlines. But yeah, I, I, I tend to prefer the, the, uh, just spelled out word. Although right. sometimes when I'm doing that, uh, I just kind of forget where the, where the letters are on uh, relative to the numbers on, on the phone. It kind of trips me up. Uh, you know, that's how connected I am to my, yeah. to my little smartphone. Now it's just not the same right. as uh, the flip phone yeah. texting.
1: Yeah, I've been looking into getting like a rotary attachment for my iPhone to see if I could do something. <laughs> carry that like, carry yeah, that sucker around. It's, yeah, it plugs into the mini USB. Um, mm-hmm. By the way, so we're, we're not judging anybody here, but I, I looked up what is a Michigan disassociated person and it appears to be somebody that you can like put yourself on a list that essentially makes it illegal for you to go to a casino, I think, if I'm reading this correctly. Uh, so you, you're, it's, it's voluntary. You can only put yourself on the list. And if you're on the list and you're caught at a casino or you like win money at a casino, you could be fined, or I believe even arrested. So I, I think it's just kind of a way to, to, control problem gambling.
2: Okay. All right. So those guys, uh, don't be betting. Don't do it. Yeah.
1: I, I need to put myself on a list for purchasing light. Like <laughs> <laughs> Wisconsin disassociated persons.
2: I could, lock me up. <laughs> Thought about hams again.
1: Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, back to week four. I got a question for you. How many teams right now are we sure? We're very sure are bad. I, I have my list, but how many teams are on your list?
2: Okay, so I don't want to steal your thunder too much, but I think of like the the fringe ones, the ones that w- maybe we'll know for sure at the end of this weekend, I think that the Cardinals um, and Washington and then whomever loses Tennessee versus Indiana, I think that we can put them in the bad bucket, but uh, please, if you will, uh let 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 the listeners know who the really bad teams are
1: first of all love that you said tennessee versus indiana uh, as an nba guy i'm constantly saying like the indianapolis pacers or the indiana colts so oh, that's what for- that's what
2: my it's a, my dad problem because my my dad's baltimore guy i obviously love the baltimore yep. colts uh so he will not refer to them as the colts and he he does not even call them he just calls them indiana and i just kind of have to c- cipher out that. what what that means and it literally just bled into the <laughs> into this broadcast it's yeah that's that's deeper that's deep uh, in my in my neural cortexes
1: yeah that that blue team to the west um, mm-hmm. I, so i have a list of six teams that i'm sure are bad it's the jets the giants the bears the texans the panthers and the seahawks
2: yes i all I have no the, doubt. there there are none of them that i would say no those guys are good like, it, and like it, it's even on some of their best case scenarios, you could only see them being like a five win team. So yeah, I think that that's, that's pretty much who we know right now is indeed bad.
1: So on the borderline for me, the Cardinals, maybe they've found ways to stick around. They've done bizarre ways. I mean, they had that insane comeback against Vegas. They got, you know, wiped in week one by KC. kind of hung around with the Rams, but part of that was, you know, some weird mistakes. By the Rams, who just do everything they can to make every win as difficult as possible, mm-hmm. and you know, throwing the ball like Matthew Stafford throwing like hundred mile per hour slants uh, from the one yard line instead of just you know running the ball in, in that situation against bad Cardinals defense. and had Cam Akers fumble on the one yard line late in that game that robbed them of another touchdown. Uh, but I, I think the Cardinals are borderline bad. However, I think Kyler Murray is very good, so it's it's hard to be a truly bad team when you have a good quarterback. Uh, Washington, to me, very questionable at this point Um, that way. I mean, there's a, there's a world in which that win over the Jags in week one. We're going to look back on that. Like the Jags beating the bills last year. I mean, yeah. How, how the hell did that happen? Uh, because Washington, since that game has been horrendous, the offensive line has been a complete joke. They basically played like a half of a good quarter over their last two games and have just gotten dominated the rest of it. Uh, so they're, they're, they're close. If they get beat by Dallas uh, convincingly, I, I think they could be in the bad zone. Uh, and then, yeah, the, the loser of Tennessee and, uh, you know, in the words of your dad, Indiana this weekend, I, I think is in danger of getting tossed into the bad bin as well. Uh, but let's get back to the week four slate and, and just kind of go and, and hit some of the games that we haven't quite yet. Uh, I mentioned I like the Saints, you know, to, to cover or excuse me, I like the Saints. I like the Vikings to beat the Saints in London, cover that two and a half. Let's talk about that Tennessee Indianapolis game. It's Derrick Henry versus Jonathan Taylor. I'm leaning Indianapolis just because they're the home team. If this game was in Tennessee, I would lean the other way. I, I have no idea if either of these teams are, are competent. Like we just said, I mean, I think the loser is in serious trouble here. I'm with you that I think Tennessee is the better coach team. But for some reason, I, I just, I think Indianapolis wins this game.
2: You know, coming into the season, I would have been certainly on Indianapolis. Um, but the the way that they have played through the first three weeks and, and that, yes, that it, that includes their win over Kansas City. They're, they're just not trustworthy. I think that, you know, it's it's an offense that needs Jonathan Taylor to, to be running uh, at, at absolute full capacity for for really anything else to work. I feel like, you know, I think you brought up a good point about Matt Ryan. The ball security has really been an issue. That could be a problem against this Tennessee pass rush. Um, and they just, outside of Michael Pittman, there is just, I don't know how they entered this season with, like, this collection of pass catchers like that they're relatively deep at tight end, but their receivers beyond Michael Pittman are kind of an embarrassment. Um, and, and I'm saying that as someone who, who pulls for the Baltimore Ravens. So that that's, that's crazy to me. Uh, Tennessee, a team that I, I thought was fraudulent coming into the year, a team that I, I felt was one of the easier ones to circle as playoff teams from 2021, who will not be in the postseason this year. And I still feel that way. But I just think that last week was a big test to to me that they passed in the sense that they were able to get off the ropes and get a win over, yes, an 0-3 now uh, Raiders team. But I don't think the Raiders are terrible uh, by any stretch, not as bad as their record might suggest. So I think that Tennessee comes in here and and they just keep this one close, close enough to where I don't feel like Indianapolis, uh, Indiana uh, wins by more than a field goal if they do end up getting the win so i think that there's just enough there at tennessee to, to get it done
1: okay yeah this this could feel like a home team wins road team covers situation i, I can get on that for sure um let's talk ravens bills we, we've somehow yeah. avoided i think what's probably the game of the week we got the the two lowest mvp odds over at bet mgm right now josh allen and lamar jackson i i think to me josh allen has the better odds uh or the lower odds but i, I think lamar has been more valuable thus far. I mean, he, it's, we had a, a guest on the XM show at Tom Kestinek last night say that Lamar Jackson would be the number one fantasy running back this season. If you just take his rushing production, I mean, he's been unbelievable and it feels like he's had a better year through the air than he has on the ground so far. So yeah, you know, right now uh, we're, we're looking at what bills minus three in this game. It's pretty much been in that zone the entire week. What's your lean here?
2: i i I thought it, it might have come down from four, even so. There, there is a little bit of movement uh, towards Baltimore. Um, I just feel like last week, despite Baltimore getting the win uh, in New England, and maybe that this is kind of has to be the new normal for Baltimore, where they're just going to have to outscore everybody. But that defense, it's not fixed. Um, the the new defensive coordinator, I don't know what he has these guys doing as far as their run fits go, but they were giving up tons of chunk yardage uh, to New England on the ground. Of course, it's not as big of an issue when you're talking about Buffalo because they're not super interested in running the ball, whether it's Singletary or Moss or, or James Cook. Really, their, their run game is is uber, uber dependent on Josh Allen a lot of the time. Um, but my, my fear or my thought really when it when it comes to Baltimore in this setup is they don't want a ton of Josh Allen dropbacks, and I think that's what they're going to get. And when you have a guy like Josh Allen – it's just like you know it's sort of like vintage Roethlisberger in, in the sense of his ability to escape you in the pocket or if you do get to him it doesn't matter he still gets the throw off um, so th- this is a bad pass rush that Baltimore has and we're going to see a lot of Josh Allen operating in clean pockets having a lot of time and then when you give time to guys like Stefan Diggs or, or Gabriel Davis Isaiah McKenzie the list goes on I think that we're going to start to see, you know, a bunch of Buffalo Bills running open down the field, and that's going to end up being a problem for for Baltimore. So I think this one ends up being a back and forth one because, you know, I will say this is this is as good as Lamar has looked since his MVP season. So I don't think that that's going away in this game. I know Buffalo has defended him well in the past, that that playoff game uh, and everything like that, but. I just feel like the Bills are better built. They're a better team overall. I think they do find a way to win this one and probably by, by more than a field goal. So I, I like them at minus three, but it's it's I, I think this probably ends up being the highest scoring game of the weekend.
1: Well, it's the only game that currently has a total uh, higher than 48 and a half. Uh, it's at 51. So obviously the mm-hmm. only game over 50 as well. So the, the odds makers uh, over at Bet MGM agree with you there the one thing that gives me a little bit of pause just about this game in general and the total is that we're likely going to have pretty decent precipitation in the Baltimore mm. area. Uh, you know, residual effects of, of hurricane Ian working its way up the seaboard. I, you know, I was kind of trying to debate to myself earlier today, like if it's raining, let's let's just say it's a, a nice steady rain throughout the game. Does that help or hurt either team more than the other? Like I, for some reason I, I feel like both these teams, you know, you, you, you kind of think of Baltimore as being a team that could succeed in that type of environment. But I don't think it's necessarily a hindrance for Buffalo either.
2: Uh, I think it, it could. Yeah. Well, if Buffalo has has to run it more, I guess if Josh Allen wasn't such like a, a freak where like weather doesn't seem to like apply to him, right. uh, that then you, you could see it being a, a bigger deal for, for Buffalo. But, you know, if it does get uh, nasty up there to where it does affect the throw game and all of a sudden Buffalo has to kind of reconfigure his whole offense, then I think that that does ultimately, Uh, hurt Buffalo more than it does Baltimore Baltimore needs to get its run game going of course but you know this will be J.K. Dobbins second game back on on a you know a a mucky track that that is kind of a concern for a guy you know that uh, this far removed from his return from injury uh, with it being so recent so there's a little concern there but uh, if it just turns into you know that when you bring up really rainy games in Baltimore I'm reminded of that game against San Francisco a couple of years ago in 2019 that that was you know between two of the best teams in the nfl uh that november and it was just a total slog but the ravens kind of had the right offensive game plan to, to eke out the win in that one so if it, if the weather is really really nasty uh, in charm city maybe the ravens are the play
1: all right i got two more somewhat premier games that i want to hit and then we'll go rapid fire through just the uh, all right. the, I don't even know what, what the right word is for games like Jet Steelers and, and Bears Giants. Uh, we will, I, I can assure you we will not be spending more than a minute uh, on each of those games. But we it's got to talk promise. Chiefs Bucks and we got to talk Rams 49ers. We'll, we'll start with Chiefs Buccaneers. I was on the Chiefs earlier this week. You know I, I took him in my picks column. I'm standing by it. At that time, I thought there was a decent chance that this game would be played in Minneapolis. Uh, obviously, you, you know that would help uh, the, the road team in this scenario going from a true road game. Uh, to a neutral site, but it will be played in Tampa. Uh, you know, Thankfully, in a lot of ways, you know, there, there wasn't as much damage as, as maybe they anticipated in that area. So that's great. But if you're the Chiefs, like, obviously you'd rather play this game closer to home in Minneapolis and and without a, a home field advantage for Tampa. We have no idea which receivers are going to be available for the Buccaneers. We likely won't find out until Sunday morning, maybe even into the early afternoon. That scares me for sure. Uh, you know, just the way that this Buccaneers offense has looked in general, scares me but it also feels like we haven't seen it anywhere near full strength so i I, i'm i'm kind of nervous to say that "Ah, the buccaneers offense isn't as good as it's been in years past because i feel like once we get a full game with chris godwin and mike evans and julio jones together i think it's going to look a heck of a lot different than it has through three weeks Uh, but i think in some ways the chiefs losing to indianapolis is bad for the buccaneers because i I feel Mm. like you're you're coming into this game laser focused you know you're you're upset. You're stewing on what happened last week. You're making sure it doesn't happen again. Um, and, you know, this is certainly a losable game for Kansas City. They, they are, in fact, underdogs. It's, it's Tampa Bay minus one. Uh, that shifted considerably once we found out the game would be played in Tampa. Uh, but th- this becomes a really difficult evaluation now.
2: Yeah, that, it absolutely does. You know, you have great on great in, in the sense of uh, Chiefs offense versus this Buccaneers defense that, like you said at the top of the show, best in the league and they are going to be at home now that that helps things of course on the Tampa Bay side. Um, so yeah, this is, this is really a tricky one. I still think that it's tough. I mean, I, I I still in my heart of hearts, believe that the chiefs find a way, um, and and they just kind of keep the Buccaneers offense grounded for yet another week. And then the, uh, the chiefs offense on, on the other side finds a way to, to find a crack or two, um, in that Bucks defense, we the only time they've really done that was when they had Tyree Kill and Tyree Kill like completely went off on them in that one first half. Um, but you know we we've seen plenty of history between these teams since, and the the Chiefs have uh, kind of had the Buccaneers in and this defense be their kryptonite a little bit. But I think it changes this week. I think that the Chiefs kind of. Get themselves reestablished. They come off the of the loss that they really should have avoided last week, like you mentioned, uh, and get it right here. So I, I do still like the road team in this one. In the Chiefs,
1: I think that's the way I'll end up going. You know, when I do lock things in uh, prior to kickoff, I, I I just like you said, I, it makes me feel better uh, that the Chiefs lost last week. I, I think they they come in and basically just don't mess around in a lot of the ways that they they hurt themselves last week against Indianapolis. I mean, you're certainly not going to be able to get away with that against this Tampa Bay defense, but um, a little bit concerning too, that the chiefs have not really established a number one receiver. I kind of thought going into the year that that could be a good thing. You know, if you have four guys who you're equally worried about, but to me, it's kind of been the reverse of that where none of those guys really seem all that effective or all that dependable, of course, outside of Kelsey.
2: Right. And you know, you, you, you did a road wire online championship draft. I, I did That's as good. well. And Sky Moore was like a ninth round pick. Or something in in that one. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm not trying to pick shame here, uh, and I, I certainly had some picks that that I regretted uh, from from that one. But um, you know, it definitely hurts to have like a, an obviously cuttable guy that you drafted in the top ten or top ten rounds uh, at just three weeks into the season. But that's kind of where it is with Sky Moore, someone that they took in the in the first round, and you know with the door kind of being open with all these targets kind of up for grabs between MVS, Juju Smith-Schuster, me, Hardman, and, and then you add Sky Moore in. And, yeah, he, he obviously didn't take advantage of it. So, yeah, it's it's really Kelsey or who knows uh, as far as this passing game rotation goes.
1: All right, let's talk 49ers-Rams. This one uh, out at the big bell bottom in Santa Clara. Um, I like the Rams here. I, I know that the Niners are favored, minus one and a half. I, I'm trying not to read too much into just how horrific that offense was last week. Uh, they, they did not score on 11 of their final 12 drives after putting in a touchdown on, I believe, their second drive of the game. Great drive. You know, I, I was feeling great. I, I took the 49ers. You know, you, you mm-hmm. locked them up. Um, you know, I, I thought you were going to be in good shape. And, man, that was a extremely unimpressive game from Jimmy G. I, I thought it was extremely unimaginative play calling. Uh, you know, from Kyle Shanahan. I mean, great job. Hats off to both defenses, I suppose. Uh, but it to me it just felt like a bad offense game. I mean, all 12 of those drives, even the one that the 49ers got a field goal on uh later in the half, every single one of those last 12 drives went for five plays or fewer. I mean, there was just nothing happening whatsoever offensively for the 49ers. And I, I think Denver does have a really good defense, that's part of it. And you know, the Rams have been a little bit shaky, but to me, for as shaky as the Rams have been, I think a lot of their mistakes have been somewhat self-inflicted. And I know they're on the road and I know Shanahan has kind of owned McVay other than the playoffs last year. But I, I just feel like right at this moment, the Rams are the better team.
2: They, they probably are, but I think the self-inflicted element, like that doesn't go away for, for me. And, you know, uh, let's see, over the last four, so going back to 2018, I've I put this down in, in my article. Yeah, San Francisco, six and three. Um, against the spread, like you said. Uh, the playoff game last year went the other way. But I do like San Francisco in this one. I think the Rams just, even if they play a, a good 30 minutes of, of football in the, in the first half type of thing, they just don't feel like a, a complete team that that's finishing uh, with with really much emphasis. And they, they seem to be letting uh, teams linger around, to teams that are much worse than, than the 49ers. And I don't think that they can afford to do that. And I think, you know, Jimmy G makes his first start of the season. You know, he's obviously a season starter at this point, but um, makes his first start on national TV last week, gets those jitters out. He returns uh, back home. Like you said, to the big bell bottom, I think this goes the 49ers. I, I, I don't love backing either of these teams in, in this spot, but um, I, I think I do, oddly enough, have a little bit more questions about this Rams team and, and just kind of the, their their general makeup. And, you know, what what do they really have that, that's established as good right now, other than, you know, Cooper Cup and, and the Matthew Stafford connection?
1: I will say that's about it. And they, they did kind of get Cam Akers going uh, last week. But at the same time, it was still uninspiring, still had that costly fumble. Uh, They don't really seem like they know what they're doing as far as that running back split goes. And I don't even think Stafford's been that good. I think he's missed missed a ton of throws. He's still making weird mistakes. He's got more interceptions than touchdowns at this point. Um, And they're one of those offenses that, like I said earlier, they they overcomplicate the little things. I, I don't, I don't understand, you know, some of, some of the decisions that come from, you know, a guy who's one of the consensus best coaches in the league. So yeah, this one to me, Probably a stay away, I guess, if we're if we're this split on it. Like, I if I'm so sure that the Rams are winning and you're so sure that the Niners are winning, uh, maybe that tells us something. But uh, let's go rapid fire through the bad games this week, and then we'll get out of here. Right. Uh, Bears-Giants, you got any leans there?
2: I got the Giants just because it's the Bears.
1: <sighs> well, the Giants had some key injuries. I was not impressed. I didn't, I didn't think they looked a whole lot better than the Bears uh, against Dallas the other night. But it was also tough to evaluate, you know, with how much – uh, Daniel Jones was under siege, really, for, since the moment that game began. I, I'm going to bet. Were, or go ahead.
2: Were you a Manning cast guy on Monday night?
1: I was not. I was doing the radio show during the game, and mm-hmm. I kind of got to just clue in on the traditional broadcast there because I, I can't watch with the sound.
2: Right. No. Exactly. But uh, Tracy Morgan did did go on. I think in the third or fourth quarter, uh, he bought himself three Ferraris for his birthday. So. Oh, really? Pretty Same good. Here.
1: Oh, nice. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Um,
2: mine are just hot wheels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Right. Uh, yeah. This is the driver of a 2018 Chevy Malibu, uh, jet Steelers. I like the Steelers here a lot. I, I think this is a, not a trap game for Zach Wilson. I, I just feel like every game is a trap game for him at this point. Uh, <laughs> but I, I just think this is a, you know, the Steelers defense is a little different without TJ Watt, but, um, not only is it this week, but, but like, look at the Jets schedule these next few weeks. Like this is what you're bringing Zach Wilson back into Steelers, Dolphins, Packers, Broncos, Patriots, Bills, Patriots. I mean, those are the next seven games for the Jets. There is not a single below average defense in the mix.
2: No, that's a dang wood chipper. That's going to be tough. Um, I, I would not want to, or I do not envy him nor their offensive line over these next two months here. Um, I do like the Steelers as well. Like at, at some point, I'll, I'll, the Steelers will kind of make me not bet on them, but basically against a team like the Jets even with all the flaws that the Steelers have, I don't think that the jets are the ones to like make them pay for it. So Steelers at home coming off the, the loss, they've mm-hmm. been able to stew on it for a little bit longer. So like, I like Pittsburgh too.
1: All right. We saved the best for last Cardinals, Panthers, Panthers, two point favorites at Bet MGM. They are the home team.
2: I, I got the Panthers, and it's really not because of any real faith in the Panthers. And McCaffrey's been missing practice time, so we'll, we'll see what's up with him. But I just I am that out on the Cardinals. I just think that they will find ways to lose. And, um, you know, they've got banged up receiver personnel. They're still missing um, DeAndre Hopkins. The backfield is a little bit messy right now, and I think the defense is a mess as well. So um, I just feel like Carolina is – is just a team that's not going to make quite as many uh, mistakes. I know we can laugh at that with, with Baker Mayfield being their their quarterback, but I I just don't feel like that the Panthers are going to screw it up the way that I do think the Cardinals will.
1: If I had to make a worst bet of the week, it would be this game. Maybe (laughs) we should start doing that. A best bet. Yeah. This is the game that I feel the least confident about. It's one that if it was in Arizona, I'd say, yeah, I probably like the Cardinals. Like in general, I try to, I try to side, with the better quarterback. And I I do think that's the one thing that separates these two teams, which have been, they both have injury issues. They're both sloppy. They're both probably not good at the end of the day, but one team has the much better quarterback than the other. So that, that does make me want to lean Cardinals. Uh, But this, you know, this line has moved uh, at least a half point in the last 24 hours in favor of Carolina. So yeah, you never know, but MGM might, might have an in on this one Uh, complete stay away for me. I, I would not advise betting this game whatsoever.
2: No, that's uh, you. You really don't know what you're getting from either side in this one, and then the Cardinals have to go very far to to get to uh, Charlotte.
1: Yeah, if you're if you're betting that game, that's disassociated person behavior. All right, you're, you're just <laughs> don't even think about it. Um, all right, real quickly, let's do our survivor picks and fades. Uh, we'll we'll offer up our locks and then we'll get out of here. All
2: right, so my my uh, my fades uh, would be the Chargers. Uh, they are at eleven percent over. Um, at one of the websites that, that hosts uh, Survivor uh, Detroit would be one. I, I know the Seattle's bad, but um, I'm not sure that I'm backing with a Survivor pick. Uh, this Detroit team that that is really banged up, especially at key spots. I'm on Ross St. Brown, DeAndre Swift, uh, Steelers. Um, again, you know we were just running through why the Steelers are going to win and cover, but um, I just, Survivor is a different discussion, and you're talking about Mitchell Trubisky, so I'm, I'm out there so I I think that Green Bay is probably the one for for this week. Um, you know, that that feels like the layup, but I've already used them uh in uh in my survivor pool. So I kind of think Dallas is an interesting one.
1: I don't hate that. I don't hate that at all. Um you know that's one where like in my pick'em league, you know, I started I went like Dallas four and I've just like bumped them up and up and up and up as I keep revisiting it and retinkering throughout the week. And I think I have them up to like 12 or 13 now. So yeah, I, in terms of my confidence in the, in the, the Cowboys, just winning that game straight up. I like that call a lot. If you want to go contrarian, uh, like you said, Packers are going to be super popular. I mean, that might be over 50% by the time we get to kickoff on Sunday. Um, I would fade the Eagles. I would fade the Cardinals. Not that anybody's jumping on the Cardinals this week, but I I saw they were at like two or 3% uh, Hmm. on one of the sites that track survivor picks. Um, Steelers to me, I, like I said, I think that's a really bad spot for the Jets. So if you don't want to go Packers, you want to save the Packers. I know, for example, the Circa Survivor Contest counts Christmas as its own week. So you need to make sure that you have a team that's playing on Christmas available. And I, I know the Packers are one of those teams. Um, the Vikings, of course, too, are another favorite of mine this week. It is time now for our locks of the week, John. You do not want to have to do that read again next week. Uh, and neither do I. So hopefully I can get some momentum here. Give me your lock of the week against the spread
2: all right here it is without any further ado Cleveland Browns minus one Oh boy Atlanta against the Atlanta Falcons I think the Browns are rock solid I don't think that they're particularly good but I think they're rock solid I think the Falcons are prone to making a lot of mistakes um, I think that Marcus Mariota Fun for fantasy, but I, I think also he's someone that I I think can make some really costly turnovers, and I think the, the overall talent advantage is pretty decidedly um, on Cleveland's side here. So give me Cleveland uh, giving one point to Atlanta on the road.
1: Okay, I like it. I'm going Minnesota. I'm riding with it. Uh, again, I, I feel like this line is uh, just uh, giving the Saints a little too much respect, especially in a neutral site game, especially – uh, with New Orleans being the team that has all these injuries that has to fly across the world, not even across the country, across the entire world uh, and deal with all that this week. I, I don't have faith in their coach. I don't have faith in their offense. I think this is a really, really good spot for Minnesota to have a nice chance to build on that come from behind win. really two two different come from behind wins within the same game. I mean they trailed by double digits two separate times against Detroit last week uh, and rallied back. So I like Minnesota minus two and a half, you like the Browns uh, minus one. So, We will track those. We'll see how it goes. We'll revisit next week. That's going to wrap up the NFL week four version uh, of the podcast, but we're going to be talking some college football. So stick around. If you're watching on YouTube, this will of course uh, be in our RotoWire college football podcast feed as well. Uh, Jan, the floor is yours. What's the board looking like in week five of the college football season? Almost said week four. Got to remember college is a week ahead. Um, (laughs) Obviously I don't want to touch on what happened in Columbus last Saturday. We're just going to move right past that and talk week five.
2: Yeah. I barely, I barely want to talk about what happened in Athens and actually hand up. I didn't watch a single second of, of the Georgia game. I I willingly watched more Auburn, Missouri than I did Georgia last weekend. And, and, you know, Kent Kent state hung around. Um, but I think that, uh, uh, a lot of the dogs were were a little bit hungover for for that one, um, uh, the yeah. noon kickoff, dogs everything were like that. A bit. Yeah, their dogs were barking. Not great, but I think they they'll get back on track this weekend against Missouri. But uh, my favorite games for for this weekend, or my favorite bets, uh, more specifically, uh, you got Utah facing off against Oregon State. Utah minus ten and a half at home. I think Utah have closer to a two touchdown. Uh, victory in this one Oregon State's a lot of fun um, but they're, they're missing some key players uh, they, they've showed to be a little bit turnover prone although USC is turning everybody over so like that that's a fair uh, critique but Utah you know that's a defense that, that is known for, for being able to do that sort of thing as well I like Kentucky this line has bounced around a lot uh, it's gone towards Missouri or I'm sorry uh, towards Mississippi a good bit uh, Lane calling out the the student section Got to imagine that they're going to be rocking in the Grove and then at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium as well. But I like Kentucky to, to hang within a touchdown here. And you know, if you're, if you're confident there, um, then maybe you could even sprinkle a little bit on the Kentucky uh, money line as well. It wouldn't completely shock me if they, if they go in there and beat Ole Miss. If they slow Ole Miss's uh, ground game down and you have Jackson Dart having to win, he, uh, he hasn't really shown that he can do that by himself uh, just yet, at least uh, passing. Um, I think this is a great time to to get Oklahoma. Uh, only giving six and a half against TCU, just buy right back in. Like la- last week, the, I don't know w- why Kansas State was built specifically in a lab to beat Oklahoma once in a while, but a that's, yeah, I don't understand it. But uh, that's just kind of the way of the world. Um, but this week, Oklahoma, I think, takes care of business pretty handily um, a- against TCU. Um, I think UCLA Washington is really interesting. Obviously, Bill Conley. Uh, everyone looks at at his uh, spread picks or spread projections um, based off of SP Plus, and Washington is favored in this one at at, at sportsbooks. But uh, Billy C has UCLA winning this one outright by a decent margin there. So, like, a, there's like a nine point differential between his projection and where the the Washington line is. So, um, that's really interesting. I it kind of makes me wonder if UCLA is the side to go with there. Maybe Washington's been overperforming a little bit thus far this season. And then uh, Washington state uh, versus Cal under the 53. Um, I, I think that the, these are just too often. I know that Wazoo, you, know, played a really exciting fun game this past weekend against Oregon. Um, I think this one becomes a little bit more of a defensive struggle and I don't think that Cal can score a lot of points either. So I, I think that that one, uh, ends up with a total total points scored, you know, closer to to 50 or 48. So 53 is a, a pretty decent cushion, uh, in my opinion. And then uh, some fun kind of under the radars, uh, Georgia Southern plus 10 at Coastal uh, Coastal. They've had some some backfield injuries. They looked really good against Georgia State last week, but Southern has been a lot of fun. They are they are um, they're really tricky to play against really max tempo, tons of passes. Um, so Coastal. They're going to need their offense to sustain some drives, keep Southern on the sidelines. Otherwise, that one gets pretty interesting. And then Tulsa plus nine against Cincinnati. I thought Cincinnati looked great last week against Indiana, but um, there's something about this Tulsa team. Maybe I'm conflating fun with good a little bit too much, but Tulsa being at home, Davis Brin, Keelan Stokes, Juan Carlos Santana, It's a, it's a, yeah, there's a guy named Juan Carlos Santana, all one word or uh, all one word for Juan Carlos. It's, I mean, it's phenomenal. So they, they got some dudes and they got some guys. And I think that Tulsa at the very least, uh, they are appointment second game or team that you have on your second TV. Uh, They need to be at least in your remotes rotation. They they like to, they like to have fun there.
1: Well said, well said. And and I I want to talk Heisman with you Mm. as well. Uh, because when we saw CJ Stroud dice up uh, a certain big 10 opponent, uh, you know, Bryce young, obviously those are the two guys that we thought would be competing, uh, this entire season. I mean, Stetson Bennett kind of working his way into Mm -hmm. the mix. I mean, as long as the dogs keep winning, he's going to be there. Uh, Caleb Williams, obviously having a great year at USC as well, but uh, how do you see that race shaping up? Is there anyone else we should be keeping an eye on?
2: Um, so, you know, Bryce young has a, a good chance to kind of, um, Leap, maybe not fully leapfrog this weekend, but you know, kind of remind everyone who he is uh, with that road game at Arkansas. They're seventeen point favorites in that one. If Bryce Young just goes in there and, and you know quiets Hog Nation, then you know th- things are things are definitely looking good. That's another notch in in you know his Heisman repeat case. Um, but the reason why I I bet on Hendon Hooker at plus six thousand over the summer is that he had tons of potential Heisman moments. Uh, all laid out in front of him going going into this season. You know whether it was the tough non-con game against Pitt or or you know such an exciting game last weekend against Florida what, for Tennessee to come out on top there. Uh, that was thrilling. They have a game in Athens a little bit later on this season. That's another potential opportunity if Tennessee pulls off the victory. Then I think Hen Hooker's at least in the top three, um, and you know could could yep or he vaults himself in the top three right there, could end up being a finalist, and it wouldn't be that crazy for him to, to win the award if he keeps going uh, the, the way that he is. So, yeah, Henan Hooker, again, plus 6,000 to open the year. Now he's at, like, plus 1,800. And then, uh, shout-out to one Jalen Daniels, quarterback, your Kansas Jayhawks, my J- my Kansas Jayhawks, America's Kansas Jayhawks. Mark it, Kansas Jayhawks. Rock Chalk, man, they are... There's something else that they're playing Iowa State this weekend. Keep an eye on that one. So uh, I, I think it's it's an amazing sentence in the in the year of our Lord 2022 to say that Kansas has someone in the top ten in the Heisman finalist odds.
1: What a rise for Lance Leopold, by the way, the, the old Whitewater coach uh, working his way up. I know he's been in the mix for for potentially uh, the Nebraska job as well. But yeah, climbing the ladder. Good, good to All see these, uh, it, a Wisconsin it, guy. It, he,
2: He's like the the new poster boy for like message board people. Like yep. every every message fan base's message board is that's looking for a coach is like, what about Leopold? Like even ones that that have coaches with reasonable security, it's like, yeah, he's fine. But well, what about Lance Leopold though? You know, yeah, he, well, he's I, officially taken that, that mantle. Here. Yeah, I mean, he's it, it's basically uh, the same exact vibes as like Matt Campbell was getting a couple of years mm-hmm. ago.
1: All right, man. Looking forward to week five. I will be in Madison. Uh, for illinois wisconsin mercifully i will not be going to the game uh, but doing a little uh reuniting with the fellas Uh, gonna tailgate gonna hang around town uh, hopefully behave ourselves we'll see how everything goes but uh i I still think people are gonna find a way to have fun i mean wisconsin's only favored by seven at home against illinois that kind of tells you where things are at (laughs) the total for that game is 43 and a half only a point and a half higher than michigan iowa um but yeah it's it's not quite the season uh, that we thought it might be for Wisconsin, but nonetheless, uh, we will persevere.
2: Yeah, it, at the very least, I can all you can always trust Badger fans to have a good time, especially if the games in in Madison. So that that'll be fun. Uh, I expect if you if you make it to uh, Paul's Club, you know I need to see a picture of the tree.
1: Yeah, I, I think if we if we go to Paul's Club and don't whip out a chainsaw and cut down the tree, that'll be a <laughs> successful weekend.
2: that you that you stole the turnover chainsaw from oregon state (laughs) undisclosed trip out there and then yes use it to cut down the the famous tree in paul's club as is tradition
1: uh all right man go dogs go badgers uh best of luck with all your picks this weekend Uh, i'm gonna wish myself good luck as well I, i certainly need it but we'll be back
2: we'll be previewing week five in the nfl this time next week